0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that covers all of the horrendous events of the week. Maybe one or two good ones if we're really lucky. And that way you only have to spend one hour per week dealing with this stuff. Well, we have to spend the whole week digging through it in search of nuggets, gems and atrocities to exhibit before you here uh, normally on Saturdays. Today we're doing it on Thursday because my guest, Dr. E. Michael Jones, has a schedule that must be accommodated. So, hey, welcome. How's it going, Mike?
1: Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here or there yeah. or wherever, wherever you are. Where Morocco. I am, yeah. I'm still in
0: Sadia, Morocco. And Are you still in Indiana?
1: I'm still I in Indiana.
0: Still... Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, our theme for the week here, let's see if we can pull up the theme. There's the theme. Oops! Wait, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't show you the theme yet until I. Uh, I, I make it. Uh, let's see. I, ha- I have to make the theme so that we can use the audio, so I can show everybody the music video of the week. Uh, and here we go. Share the sound. Pull up the theme, and we're just about to go into the music video of the week. My um, my laptop seems to be having strange issues. I don't know if it's Unit 8200 or, or what's going on there, but uh, so so here's our our slide of the week. The sitting duck uh, aircraft carriers are being sent off the coast of Gaza and they are quacking louder and louder. And so in honor of the sitting duck aircraft carriers, here is our music video of the week. Sitting ducky, you the one you make wartime plots of fun
1: sitting ducky
0: i'm awfully fond of you sitting ducky joy of joys when i blast you you make noise sitting ducky easy target it's true Every day when When I I float that ship in the the tubby, I sink that little fellow who's cute cute and yellow and chubby. Sitting ducky, you're so fine. Since my missiles made you mine, sitting ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Okay, that's our music video for the week. And we're going to move on to the public service announcements. Please support this show so I continue to make stupid music videos by going to truthchihad.com. Click on False Flag Weekly News. It'll take you to this page. And the first story, in this case, number zero, is our fundraiser. And our fundraisers this week are a little short. This week is, let's see, the 21st. We only got 120 raised. And we're halfway there for next week. So please, let's get there. And meanwhile, the real PSA is here. Free Reiner uh, Mike, did you see that Reiner Fulnick was uh, just ignominiously arrested in a kind of a setup at the embassy, a little bit rem- uh, reminiscent of uh, of what happened at the Saudi embassy in Turkey a few years ago, only they didn't chop him up with a bone saw. They just dragged him back to Germany to put him on trial. And it looks like it's all bogus charges just because he's a political troublemaker. Is that your interpretation, too? Yeah, the
1: the, the German situation is getting out of hand. Instead of being rational, the the, regi- the ruling uh, party, the uh, Socialists and the Greens, are doubling down. Uh, so they have a paragraph uh, 135, which is against uh, incitement. It's called Volksverhetzung, uh, ethnic incitement. What this has to do with anything uh, can be stretched to do anything. But uh, the, the, the issue here is now that uh, w- when the uh, Gaza story broke out, The Palestinians went on the street and they were all arrested by the German police uh, who are representatives of a government which guarantees free speech uh, unless the government doesn't want you to say what you're saying. And so uh, they are changing the law now. So it used to be incitement meant that uh, it was some type of imminent danger, that there was going to be some type of rioting, something like that. It's, it's, It's not even close to that anymore. If they think that they it might or uh, they weakened it completely. This this is significant, uh, not only for Germany, but also because uh the Ger- the European Union has uh, put uh, Elon Musk on notice that he's going to have to have Twitter conform to the rules of the European Union, which means Germany which means now that uh, this will get imposed on us. If the Europe, uh, wait a minute, these are our vassals, aren't they? And why are the vassals? Well, because the vassals report to the oligarchs. They don't report to the uh, American people. And so now that the the, uh, the European Union is going to use this German, uh, uh, basically total capitulation to Jewish censorship as a way of uh, imposing this on the United States of America. So, Fulmer got caught up in in what is basically uh, a crackdown on every type of free speech in, in Germany,
0: and he may end up uh, sharing a cell with uh, Alfred Weber, who's back in for another year just because Alfred has his opinions about r- what really happened during World War II, and they can't try to terrorize him into saying something he doesn't believe. So yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, another PSA. And we are we're still in the PSA section here, right? Uh, where's PSAs? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Craig Murray. yeah, Craig Murray, PSA. Uh, Free Craig. Uh, Reiner and Craig uh, both arrested as part of this war on free speech. And Craig Murray is arrested because he supports Hamas and Hezbollah and the rest of the Palestinian resistance. And he says, if that's a crime, send me back to jail. And it looks like they're going to. Well, uh, I'm I'm with Craig. So, hey, uh, I I totally support Hamas, Hezbollah and the rest of the Palestinian resistance, too. So um, I guess I'll end up sharing a cell with him if I try to go to the U.K.
1: That's completely up in the air right now. Someone uh, I don't who was it sent me the email was planning to fly over there and got a, uh, actually got a word back from the Bundesnachrichtendienst, which is the FBI, the enforcement arm of the government. And they said, basically, if you're flying over, uh, if you're in transit, uh, no one will come into an airport to touch you. If you come into the country and start talking about uh, the Holocaust, we'll arrest you. Well, apparently the, the the rule, even those rules, there's no rule of law. And so any ad hoc message. Hey, it's the, the rules based order, right? <laughs> any ad hoc message you get uh, will be countermanded by another ad hoc message.
0: That's right. And if you say anything that the Zionists don't like, you'll just end up facing persecution. That that's the rule that we can pretty much rely on all right so here, here's our big story uh and no i'm not going to play that song again um and it, no actually send, send us money and we won't play that song again <laughs> all right so, so here, here's the aircraft carrier uh two of them actually the ford and the eisenhower each one has five thousand sailors on board today a few cheap anti-ship missiles probably within reach not only of mid-level powers but of pretty you know much less the serious regional powers like uh, Iran, for example, but even maybe an individual, a wealthy Gulf individual could probably get enough to take out one of these things, which, you know, 5,000 people on board, there go 10,000 dead Americans into Davy Jones' locker. Uh, is sending these aircraft carriers right off the coast of Gaza and telling them to say quack, quack, as stupid as I think it is?
1: It's the principle of showing the flag here. Uh, that's always a principle. If if the uh, like the Greeks don't pay their debt... The British Navy shows up and bombards Athens uh and then they pay their debts. That's that's the way, that's the way it worked. And so this is that type of thing. The the trouble is that uh the, the the game has shifted here to the point which you mentioned, which is that missiles uh now have made the aircraft carrier obsolete. Now, I don't think that Hamas has a missile that can sink an aircraft carrier. But, but Hamas I, does, uh, right? No, I don't think Hamas does. So Hamas but, with
0: quotation marks around it with a thick uh, Hebrew accent probably does.
1: But what what we do know is that Putin just made a comment. By the way, he said, you know, we have a Kinzhal missile that can sink an aircraft carrier. It's not a threat, just statement of fact. So he said that at the same time uh, that the aircraft carriers show up. So that's a significant Impediment to what they want to do. Now the, the but, but the, what do they want to do?
0: I mean that Hamas, you can't fight Hamas to, with
1: this. They want to intimidate Hamas into giving up. Uh but th- the problem the problem is they the Israeli Air Force has already done what the American aircraft carrier can do. They've already bombed Gaza. Uh so they the uh, Americans could fly in and bomb the rubble again if they wanted to. Uh, But the main issue now is whether there's going to be a ground invasion. And at this point, the United States, I think, announced that they have 2,000 troops ready to to do what? It's very specific what you have to do now. You have to enter the tunnel. Uh, I am saying, I've said before, I don't think the Israelis are willing to enter the tunnels that Hamas has dug. They're willing to bombard them from the air, but I'm saying this based on what happened in 2006 when it was Hezbollah in the tunnels in in Lebanon. They have the uh, they had the anti-tank missiles. They stopped the tanks, the Merkava tanks, uh, and the Israelis would not go into the tunnels. So I don't think anything's changed here. So the aircraft carrier is in this respect irrelevant. They can only do what has already been done and that doesn't need to be done at this point.
0: Well, uh, if they send Americans into the tunnels to die for the Zionists, uh, I, for one, am going to be even more annoyed than I already am. But, you know, some folks like Bernard over at Moon of Alabama say this aircraft carrier here is that it's not it couldn't possibly be for use against Hamas. I mean, it's got all of these different there are battleships around it. And there's, you know, uh, you know, fighter jets like each one has. I forget how many fighter jets and stuff. That's not any good for fighting Hamas. What's it good for? It's good for regime changing Syria. So Bernard thinks that that's what it's really up to, and Putin seems to think that too. Which is why he's mentioning the fact that he has those Kinshel missiles that can take out those aircraft carriers. And the question is: Is the U.S. going to roll the dice and once more try to regime change Syria, even if it means possibly starting World War III?
1: I don't think so. I think that the whole point the whole point of Biden's visit was to be the good cop in the good cop bad cop scenario. And uh, even though, and I think this is why. Uh, the Israelis uh, attacked the hospital in order to narrow his ability to maneuver here uh, in, in, diplomatically. Yeah, we're, we're going to
0: get to that story real soon. In okay, fact, all right. move, all right. Yeah, let's, let's move on to it. Okay, here's the Gaza hospital explosion story from Reuters pointing out that there are huge protests all over the Middle East and quite a few elsewhere as well, including D.C., where uh, a lot of folks, including a lot of Jewish people, are actually getting arrested. Uh, so... The hospital story, though, was just so insane that it's, you know, it's even a little shocking to me that people were buying the Zionist version of it. What actually happened apparently was that a huge Israeli airburst bomb went off above uh, the hospital and in front of the hospital, there were hundreds of Palestinian refugees that Israel had chased out of their homes and they were sheltering there thinking it was safe. So Israel just did an airburst right above them and killed hundreds of people who were not even sheltered by the building. And this could confuse some people because the hospital itself didn't get flattened Uh, but it was it was actually the people outside the hospital that got killed for the most part and the mainstream media uh has been split on this a lot of them are parroting this ridiculous zionist cover story that they got this they recorded hamas saying it was actually islamic jihad doing it but it turns out that's a complete joke uh the recording is totally blatantly inauthentic it's almost like a parody uh so even the mainstream is starting to question this as caitlin johnson pointed out and uh, the pushback here is getting pretty extreme. So, so Mike, let's talk a little bit about this uh, bombing the hospital. Why do the Zionists tell us they're gonna bomb this hospital repeatedly, send a bunch of non-warheaded rockets to knock on the door to show that they're gonna bomb it. Then they do bomb it with an airburst killing hundreds of people uh, who were sheltering outside it. And then they admit it and brag about it on Twitter. And then they delete the tweet. And then they make up this completely transparent, bogus cover story, and somehow force Joe Biden and about half of the mainstream media to parrot this transparently ludicrous cover story.
1: Yeah, what's well, called uh, having your cake and eating it too. So they get the effect of it, and then when they realize that it's caused huge amounts of uh, international protest, then they can uh, have the they deny that they happened, that it happened, and then they cook up this the story of this uh, hamas rocket that sort of went off track uh, and, and Biden up, uh, buys into him. Him. but yeah he he bought into it uh, so the question is did it limit his ability because he i think he, he came clearly with the idea that he was going to be the broker he went back to that whole thing that, that that was the whole point of the first when blinken shows up he says and i come as not only as united states secretary of state but also as a jew well, you just lost all your credibility. At oh, that. And then he starts, he
0: starts rambling about the Holocaust, as he always does. Everywhere he, he always, goes.
1: Everywhere he goes. <laughs> every time he gives a speech, he immediately says, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. It's wearing a little thin now. Yeah. But uh, I, I think he lost. They had to reestablish that notion that the United States is the kind of broker between two sides. And I think that's why Netanyahu wanted to attack the hospital, to force him over toward the Israeli side. But it looks as if they did the same thing anyway. So today the story is that he's going to give a speech and he's going to the trucks are lined up. They're uh, the, the humanitarian aid is going to go in because uh, the because Biden uh, brokered a deal It's going to bring it in. So it's like two steps forward, one step back, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah, I, I agree that Biden is trying to be the good cop, but he's trying to be the good cop both to Israel and to all the people who are completely outraged by these kinds of slaughters. Right? The Israelis have killed. I, I can't even keep track of the body count now, but it's been like 3,500 people and the wounded count is well over 10,000. I don't know if it's up to 15,000 or higher than that by now. Uh, so you know, this is just, it's just a massacre. And uh, and Biden tries to be the good cop by going along with Israel's ludicrous lies while sort of taking credit for getting some humanitarian aid stuck, uh, taken into Gaza. It's just insane. Uh, It's it's
1: both ways. He's going he's doing both both at the same time. The only question is, was there something else that got deleted because of the the attack on the hospital? Was there something else he was going to do? The other question is, is there going to be a ground invasion? Did that Mm -hmm. get taken off the table now? because of his visit, we still yeah. don't hear about the ground invasion.
0: And Biden did speak out against it. He said, oh, it would be a terrible mistake and things like that. So maybe he'll take credit for for fending off the ground invasion. Uh, I, I thought this was one of the key articles of the week, uh, Chris Hedge's Israel's Culture of Deceit. And so I borrowed from it a little bit in this thing I just sent out to my substack a couple hours ago. Uh, on Zionists lying like they breathe. I, had, I was on the Richie Allen show yesterday and Richie was buying into the Zionist version of this hospital bombing. Oh, Islamic Jihad did it. I, I found that kind of hard to believe. Richie Allen is actually a really sharp guy, you know, key alternative media guy who should know better. So we had this kind of unusually spirited back and forth. And I just sent that out. And one of these days, Richie and a lot of other people are eventually gonna wake up and realize that there's a pattern here. Over and over and over, every important thing that the Zionists have ever done, they've lied about. Uh, you know, when are people going to notice this?
1: Well, uh, Norman Finkelstein just published a whole series of of quotes where basically they've already admitted that they attack hospitals. Uh, they've already done it so many times. Why wouldn't they do it again? Yeah, they again, attack like, again like, this like time.
0: 18, but before the Baptist hospital, they'd already like blown up like 18 hospitals, many with no warning. Uh, like
1: <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that what we're we're seeing here uh, uh, the other side. I don't know where we're going to cover this, but the the uh, Ben Shapiro is freaking out over this thing. Uh, Mark Levin and there's another guy by the name of Rabbi Dove uh, Fisher. Uh, he, he, Rabbi Fisher brought an interesting point to the table here because he brought up Dresden. And he said there's some type I know I, this is the Holocaust narrative, obviously, in order to bring anything to a conclusion, you have to throw the Holocaust card down on the table to end the discussion. But he says now that there are no innocent people in Gaza. This, this There are no such thing as innocent civilians in Gaza because Gaza uh, voted for Hamas. So it p- completely throws the idea of non-combatants out the window. it's it's the Jewish idea of of uh, and the Nazi idea of a uh, zipping board, you know kill your family, kill everyone uh, uh, but the other part of it well is you know they, they, they kind
0: of they're gonna have to kill billions then because the entire MENA region where I am every, the whole region, everybody here pretty much unanimously sides with the Palestinian resistance. so are they going to kill billions of us?
1: Well, they're they're going to have to. But he concludes, he completes the circle by saying it's exactly the same as Dresden. In other words, Dresden, the attack on Dresden was justified because those people voted for Hitler. So now it it comes down to if you vote, if the city you live in uh, elected someone, then there are no such thing as innocent uh, uh, non-combatants anymore. Right. So that, that means, then, like, then,
0: if, if Israel elected Netanyahu, that every Jew on earth should go straight to the gas chambers.
1: This is the, this is the type of thinking. It all goes back to the to the Holocaust. You know, that's that's the. In other words, they they are taking their their plans from the the, the uh, not the, the way the Americans conducted their war in uh germany with the firebombing of things like dresden adding to some to the effect the Amer- i don't think the americans ever just they just don't want to talk about it and the fact that there were three hundred thousand innocent refugees in that town that had no p- p- military significance is now as set as a precedent uh which will allow the zionists to firebomb all of gaza and exterminate the entire the entire group of people there That's the way the Jews are talking, and I'm saying that the people in the State Department uh, are pushing back against it because they understand where that's going to lead.
0: Yeah, well, it's really undermining the Zionist credibility, and bit by bit, people are waking up, and one of these days, Richie Allen is going to wake up to this, and a lot of other people are waking up already. Uh, So let's get into the historical context here a little bit. Just a couple of items to look at. First, the red heifer stuff. This is from a Mint Press article from back in September, but I would include it for historical context. Uh, We don't hear much about this in the mainstream media or even most of the alternative media, but the Israeli government is actually on board with this radical millenarian messianic Uh, I would argue, satanic uh, settler plan to blow up the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the Islamic world's oldest and greatest architectural monument. And it's the avatar of Islamic spirituality and ecumenicism and rebuild a blood sacrifice temple. And uh, the Israeli government has actually paid for five pink heifers. uh, They have to be heifers, not cows. They have to be heifers. And uh, they're going to be blood sacrifices as soon as the Zionists manage to blow this up and start World War III. So I mean, this these people are really strange.
1: Well, you, I, I think that you, you were the one who said that this was the proximate cause of Al Aqsa Flood when those eight hundred uh, rabbis or uh, settlers went into the Al Aqsa Mosque. But yeah. the question is, why? Why are they doing that? Wh- what's the problem here? What's your problem? Well, I think the problem is guilt. If you want my humble opinion here. Because that's built on the foundation of the temple. And ever since Titus destroyed the temple in 70 AD, the Jews have no way of expiating guilt. They had to burn animals to expiate guilt, the animal sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, like the the
0: scapegoat ritual, right? Driving the the goat out, or worse, they they do a sacrifice, yeah.
1: And so all over a 2,000-year period, they've had... uh, great success in projecting their guilt onto other people which is exactly what they did with the attack on the hospital they're good at doing that uh but i don't think it works and i think that there there is i said this in an article i just wrote there is a specter haunting israel okay and the one who articulated it was ehud barak the former prime minister and he said no jewish kingdom has lasted longer than 80 years now people yell at me when i say that i'm I didn't say it. He said it, you know, and I think that we're getting
0: close to the expiration date.
1: That's right. We're five years away from the expiration date. And then it goes into long detail about how 80 years the the country is falling apart internally. Uh, Similar. He quotes other historical examples. Communism didn't last 80 years. That was a Jewish kingdom. Uh, he mentioned the uh, the uh, United States Civil War. 80 years after the founding of the government, there was a civil war. That's, I think, what's happening in Israel right now. There's- and then 80
0: years later, there was World War II.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I'm so I'm I'm just trying to he he goes into de- details like this, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm trying to say that whether I think it or not, Ehud Barak thinks it, and if he thinks it, there got to be a lot of other people who feel. Well, we better build this temple in the next five years, because otherwise we'll all die in our sins. We won't go, be able yeah. to expiate guilt. Uh, we'll all go to hell or wherever we go, uh, because we didn't rebuild the temple and have animal sacrifice.
0: Right. Well, with all of the sins uh, around the creation of Zionism through a policy of systematic big lies and terrorism, they're going to have to kill and bleed a lot of heifers to make up for all of those sins. Uh, Well, more uh, historical context from Ron Unz, a terrific article on the anthrax attacks. It hasn't gotten as much comment as I would would have thought there would be like a thousand comments on this great article by now. It's really still in the like low 100s. But it's important to remember that the anthrax aspect of the 9/11 anthrax false flag had Zionist fingerprints all over it, as did, of course, the 9/11 aspect. And Ron does a good job in this article of bringing in the f- fact that it could have easily been solved right at the beginning. Uh, the uh, you know Philip Zach and his girlfriend, these, these uh, former workers at Fort Dietrich almost certainly were involved in writing a letter, that showed foreknowledge of the attacks just days before they happened. All it would have taken was interrogating those people and the case would have been broken, but the FBI deliberately didn't break that case, just like it didn't break a lot of cases around 9-11. In any case, a terrific article on on anthrax and the relevance today, of course, is that the Zionists using their typical terrorism and big lie technique managed to hijack the United States military to destroy their enemies and kill uh, millions or even tens of millions of people. And now they're on their way to killing uh, God knows how many more and telling more big lies.
1: Yeah, the big question is, are the American soldiers going to go into the tunnel as proxy warriors for the Israelis who don't want to do it? Yeah. That, well, that, if the American soldiers I, I, want
0: to die for a pink pepper, uh, you know, whatever. Or the, or-
1: or the gay disco, or whatever. Or disco, yeah. I, I think I think that I think that this is wearing thin. I, I mean, I'm getting tweets from people of saying, uh, "I'm not going to die for Israel." No soldiers saying, "Not going to die for Israel." That type of thing. I, I think that it's. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. It's. It, they've called wolf too many times. You know. Well, well Mike, if they don't, want, if they don't want
0: to die for uh, for the pink heifer. Or for the gay disco, would they die for a gay disco named the Pink Heifer? Can you imagine? Like, there's the logo. There's the and it's like got a you know neon sign, the Pink Heifer. You know, wouldn't that be a great name for a gay disco?
1: Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> you can start one in Morocco.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I like about Morocco is, is they <laughs> won't let anybody do that. So, <laughs> here we are at al aqsa storm. What really happened? Uh, the, what really happened? Question back at the beginning. Let's rewind this tape. Well, so the entire Zionist controlled mainstream media in the West told us that these crazy, bloodthirsty Hamas lunatics broke out of Gaza and started just randomly slaughtering poor, innocent Jewish civilians. And as it turns out, that's not what happened. Uh, There's a revisionist process happening, even in the mainstream media here. In this case, The New York Times, Uh, it appears that Hamas had great intelligence. They had so much uh, success at the early stage when they took out the Israeli command post that is the center of command communications for the entire border with Gaza that then they were able to keep going, and they opened up the wall, and then a lot of irregulars, like not people who are not part of any actual militia, came pouring out. And some of those people may have actually committed war crimes, so there may have been some Palestinians killing Israelis. However, the Hamas operation was not intended to go out and kill Israeli civilians. It was intended to kill uh, Israeli uh, troops and to take military hostages and if necessary civilian hostages and the evidence is that the you know that there there was there's no evidence of any intentional hamas militia uh, mass slaughters of uh, civilians in palestine and indeed there's a truth crisis about this and here at the center of the truth crisis is this uh, heroic young woman yasmin Porat. she's a jewish israeli survivor of uh, the massacre at the music festival. And what happened there, it turns out, Hamas took some hostages and Israel came in and just blew everybody away. Uh, she was very lucky to survive. Uh, Israel has that, uh, what's that doctrine called? The, uh, uh, the, uh, what's the, the uh, doctrine of the Hannibal Directive. The Hannibal Directive says that hostages are a political liability, so use overwhelming military force to eliminate hostage takers and hostages if necessary. And that's what happened. So I my guess is the majority of Israelis who died during this Operation Alexa Storm were killed by this overwhelming Israeli firepower, including in this case, tanks, uh, firing tank shells into Kibbutz buildings full of hostages and their captors. That's what she experienced.
1: Well, there's precedent for that. There's a Levon affair where they basically uh, b- murdered uh, Egyptian Jews to create panic among the, the people in the diaspora, so that they would rush and come to, to Israel. So uh, I, I think there's, I think there's precedent for this. There's also, I mean, once you uh, get out uh, and you're in the middle of a battle, uh, all, all kinds of stuff can happen. And it could be, I thought, I think I saw another thing about that, uh, that uh, open air music festival where people were being caught in a crossfire, you know, mm-hmm. Not being deliberately targeted, but caught in a caught in a course crossfire where the Israelis are not going to be all that scrupulous about uh, who the separating the uh, innocent from the from the guilty and so on and so forth. That can, that can all happen, but it, it all gets projected through the media uh, in, in one direction. Uh, and the same thing they did with the hospital. It all gets uh, run through the media and these stories don't get the the uh, the uh, publicity that the other stories get.
0: Yeah, well, she, she makes it very clear that the vast majority of people were killed by the Israelis themselves, that the so-called crossfire involved relatively small arms on the Hamas side and overwhelming force, including tank shells, systematically taking out buildings full of hostages and hostage takers coming from the Israeli side. So if the Israelis are putting out 95% of the crossfire. They're doing 95% of the killing. So we need to keep that in mind. Of course, our mainstream media doesn't. And here's another article about the same thing. Uh, Interesting aspect of the testimony of Yasmin Porat, the uh, Jewish-Israeli survivor of this music festival massacre by the Israelis, uh, was that she said that that she and the other hostages were treated very kindly and humanely. Uh, the They were provided with drinking water, and the fighters even let them go outside on the lawn because it was too hot inside. Uh, she never saw any threats or any mistreatment whatsoever. Compare that to the way that Israel treats Palestinians when they arrest them and capture them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this I think it's coming out now. I think that there are big demonstrations in Israel about the way that, that uh, Netanyahu handled this whole thing. And I think behind it all is the sense that uh, Netanyahu let it happen. I think there are more and more people who are coming around to that uh, to, to that position. Paul Craig Roberts just did a video yesterday in which he said that the uh, th- they had to have Allowed the uh, Hamas to break through the fence that they co- they could not have done it under normal circumstances. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not like convinced if, of
0: that, Mike. I haven't seen the evidence for it.
1: Well, he he's he, the the idea that uh, I I mean I saw that front end loader going uh, kind of breaking through the fence. Where was the where were the soldiers? Didn't they know that that well, was happening? Well, no. So what
0: Hamas did, and actually, yeah, let's go back to the what really happened part. Uh, Okay so this New York Times article uh, and other investigative pieces that are coming in and now show that Hamas took out Israeli communications with these very small drones And that allowed them to get out and storm the border command post, which was the the whole thing. All of the Israeli defenses were understaffed because they'd sent everybody over to the West Bank. And yeah, some people say that's sort of like, you know, the uh, Bush and Cheney or Cheney sending the American air defenses up to the North Pole before 9-11. Well, maybe, I don't know, but they were undermanned. And so the the Palestinians were able to take over the the central command post. And once they had that and they knocked out the command of communication, the Israelis were caught totally flat-footed. Now, so it's maybe you know, maybe, you know, we we don't know for sure. I mean, maybe there was some level of complicity. But I think you have to give Hamas some credit for what looks like a pretty brilliantly carried-out operation that they then lost some control over because of its success.
1: But the Egyptians said that they warned the Israelis before that something was going to happen. Yeah. I think it's. But it was more to uh, Netanyahu. It would be hit to his benefit to do this. I think well, if you well, to apply you the principle so? of Kui bono, I think it's ver, very much in his interest to do something. Like but this, right now, the polls allow,
0: are 70 against him. He's 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 going down as soon as the fighting stops. He's he's a, he's dead.
1: Well, that's what the. That, I think that's what the, the demonstrations are about. I think that behind him is the sense that he let it happen because it saves his political career. Uh, it puts him in the, the strong, the stronger position vis-a-vis the United States, who wants to calm this thing down. Uh, that I I just think it makes more sense that he if he allowed it to happen than if that he were caught completely by surprise. Well,
0: there, there are cases of leaders trying to save their political careers or enhance their political careers by you know doing sort of risky moves and starting wars. Franklin Roosevelt extended. Uh, His career, and he he would have he wanted to extend it even more, and put himself in charge of the world's biggest empire, maybe for good purposes, according to some interpretations. When he helped orchestrate World War II, for example. And there are lots of other examples of this sort of thing and, you know, the wag the dog situations. But in this case, if Netanyahu somehow pulled this off and defeated, you know, he's not that popular among a lot of the best people in Israeli intelligence. And so if he defeated them and somehow created this stand down, allowing Hamas to succeed in this attack, that would have been a heck of a risk for him to take. And it looks like he's lost that gamble. His career is now over as soon as the fighting is over, which means, of course, he doesn't want the fighting to end. (laughs) But Anyway, we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. But I I still haven't seen uh, evidence that we should be crediting uh, Israel for this. I I, I would still credit Hamas Uh, in in any case. So now it's turned into a hostage crisis. And Barbara Honiger, who wrote the book October Surprise about the Iran embassy hostage crisis back in 1979, 1980, wants to do a radio show with me on this hostage crisis. Apparently the Zionists are putting up signs, "Bring them home, bring them back," all over the Western world, and uh, my friends are running around tearing down the signs as soon as they go up. Uh, so I don't know what. What do you think, Mike? What, what's the? There are 200 hostages right now held by Hamas, and Hamas wants to release all of the non-Israeli ones asap, as soon as the humanitarian aid comes in. It looks like it's coming in, so it looks like those people will probably be released pretty soon. But they'll still hold maybe 150 plus Israelis. And uh, as we've seen, Israel doesn't seem to value Jewish life as highly as they like to make us think. So where's all that going?
1: If the humanitarian aid comes in, if if the uh, United States, the Biden administration has taken control, that means there will be no ground invasion. If there's no ground invasion, then the everyone stands back, and then you can have some type of peaceful. Uh, exchange of hostages. If you if if that's if that's what they and want, then, to do. and then
0: Netanyahu's career ends. So he doesn't want that to happen.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's in his interest to prolong the war. I think it's in his interest to have one more uh, atrocity after another because I think it's the only way he can hold on to power. This this is uh, to get back to Ehud Barak. The country is completely divided. He, the only way the only way he can rule is by cre- creating an external threat. That's always the way it is with people like this. Now, the question is, how deep does this go? And that's why I wanted to bring in a kind of theological dimension to this, because if they're thinking that we only have five years left, uh, there's an element of desperation involved here that would probably support uh, Netanyahu, as opposed to the people who... Maybe don't feel that way and want to have some type of uh, uh, ceasefire and move back to uh, uh, try to some t- to try and deal with this in a rational behavior rather than with military force.
0: Well, I agree. Now, I also think it's really important that people in the West should listen to what Hamas says because that's totally systematically suppressed from the Western media, even the alternative media. Uh, Al Aururi, the spokesperson for Hamas, gave, has been giving these long interviews uh you can watch them in Arabic on Al Jazeera, and you could probably find some of it in Al Jazeera English and get Hamas's perspective on all of this. And what you discover is, as I said, they never intended to massacre Israeli civilians. and they uh, Hamas is a much more reasonable and, you know calculating and ultimately, you know peace-loving group than they're giving credit for and Hamas has always been willing to have a ceasefire. If Israel goes back to the pre-1967 borders, even though Hamas, like everybody else who's paying attention, believes that there shouldn't be any Jewish state there, they're willing to have a, a ceasefire, and lay down their weapons and work politically and peacefully if Israel just goes back to those 67 borders like the entire international community wants them to do. So anyway, people really should listen to Hamas, not, don't just take these cherry pick snippets attributed to Hamas, by various Zionist sources, uh, go, go actually listen to what Hamas says and get that side of the story uh, directly. And it's, again, the revisionism here in the New York Times and Washington Post is making it clear that this was not some kind of bloody you know, massacre operation uh, at all. It was a very successful military attack. And again, you know whether, uh, I, I, I still say, I don't think Netanyahu allowed it to happen, I don't think he had the capability and he would have been insane to do that. But whether or not he did, Hamas uh, pulled off their side of it brilliantly, maybe a little too brilliantly. And yet since then we've seen nothing but vicious propaganda coming from the Zionist controlled mainstream and to a large extent alternative media. Iranian women though are pushing back against the vicious propaganda war. I like this article. Uh, And of course we've been over in Iran, we've seen how women are very much empowered in the Islamic Republic. Uh, women's education went from, well, I think, fewer than 50% of women were literate before the Islamic Revolution, and it quickly jumped up to well over 90%, and now they're a majority in the universities, and leading the charge against the West's propaganda war on Iran. So everything in the Western media about the Iranian women hate their veils, so and they hate the Islamic Republic, Idea, it's all BS.
1: Well, I think the other, the other thing that uh, we need to talk about is the diplomatic pressure from China and Russia. So I've, this was at the moment, I think, when the the tanks were massing for the ground offensive. They were already moved up to the border. And at that point, uh, the they said they were going to postpone it because of weather, because it rained there or something like that. Uh, it may have been the fact that Putin said that we have a Kinjal missile that can hit that aircraft carrier. And at the same time, that China basically pulled out and sided with with uh, Hamas on this thing, and said that there had to be some type of peaceful solution. I think that that may have caused them to to pull back. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think that those those are the main two factors that I would add to to the equation. So you're saying that no may- no gr- no ground invasion. That's so what I'm saying. I think that's the that's always been the red line, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. weren't they Iran threatening? If there's a ground invasion, we get involved. Yeah. I think the, the United States said, well, we don't want that. They're talking to each other. You know, when Blinken stopped saying he has relatives who died in the Holocaust, maybe he talked to someone about maybe we should do something about this threat of a ground invasion on the part of Iran. So if they put that, that was the crucial moment. I think that they blinked. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. And I don't know whether it was at the, the outcome of the out, uh, the result of the Soleimani murder, but uh, the United States uh, Iran fired weapon, uh, missiles at a United States base in Iraq, and at that point it was Trump's position. Trump's uh, okay, you've got to counter this, and Netanyahu is la- egging him on. And at that point, Hassan Nasrallah said, "If if if you do that, we are going to fire two hundred fifty thousand missiles." Into Israel, and at that point, Netanyahu backed down. So mm-hmm. I think we 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 tend to uh, we tend to uh, uh, miss these these moments uh, because nobody wants to talk about them in the mainstream media. But I think that that was a moment. I, I said before mm-hmm. they're not going to go in on a ground invasion. Well, it still hasn't happened, and now there's a humanitarian aid that has basically ended the blockade. I think this is the result of international pressure, including pressure from the United States.
0: So World War III uh, may not be quite as imminent as my headline suggested. Well, that, that certainly could be. Uh, and that's not, you know, if if that's the case, it, it's no thanks to all of this insane propaganda, right? The vicious propaganda war, and that's been almost as vicious as the bombing itself. Uh, here's Mint Press. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse.
1: Give, giving it's exam- worse. I, I, but yeah. the, other, the good side of it is that now we know that Ben Shapiro is not a conservative, He's a rabid Zionist who is willing to condone war crimes uh, when he gets hysterical. And and Dove Fisher made made uh, 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 Ben Shapiro look like Mahatma Gandhi by comparison.
0: Yeah, what's with the 40 babies thing? Why do they pick 40? Is that like the nights in the wilderness or, you know, 40 days of 40 fasting? 40 days and
1: 40 nights, 40 years yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah. They, they Numbers babies. have sig- yeah. significance here. Right. But like, that, like that, that, yeah. that blew up almost immediately because uh, I was old. Uh, many people are old enough to realize, hey, it's, it's the Kuwaiti incubator story all over again. Yeah, and that yeah. was and that was a replay of the German soldiers tossing up babies and catching them on, on bayonets in when they invaded Belgium. That blew up. That blew up immediately. That blew up within minutes.
0: I yeah. Think. We talked about that last week on False Flag Weekly News. Well, uh, what do you think about Chris McGreal's argument that the language being used to describe pal- Palestinians are these bloody murderers who poured into Israel and slaughtered the poor Israeli babies? uh is genocidal and i thought it was interesting that you know chris is being a language teacher here talking about you know analyzing language and he's using the passive voice the language being used to describe palestinians well who's using the language it's the zionists and i'm sure mike you would take that one step further wouldn't
1: you yeah i i think that w- this was instructive because the day before the invasion um Alan Sorrell was uh, facing prison time for calling a fat lesbian a fat lesbian because of spe- hate speech. One day, within a week, you had on YouTube, OK, the, the guardian of uh, the preventer of hate speech. You've got uh, Israelis, uh, Jews in New York advocating genocide in, in no uncertain terms. You know, Well, apparently that doesn't that doesn't qualify as hate speech on, on YouTube. This, this is, they're ruining They're ruin. Why, do, why do they try, constantly try and give us the impression that there's some rule here that there's it's some the rule, type rules of based yeah, right. rules based order. Yeah. Rules based order. We make the rules, trying, we give the orders. That's right. That's right. So yeah. the, everything, one, this, when this happens, their credibility goes down even further. And yeah, this was a classic people- example.
0: There's a yeah. gradual awakening, and I uh, think so. And it, it, you know, they're kind of revealing who they really are, and it's they're not such nice people. Uh, How about this uh, advisor to Netanyahu's wife, uh, calling for Gazans to be tortured to death? She wants everybody in Gaza to be slowly skinned alive, and what else do we should pull out? have their fingernails pulled out, and so on. That's how they're all supposed to die. Um, that's uh, Netanyahu's wife. Uh, I, I don't want to speculate into what Netanyahu and his wife are into privately, but it sounds like there's some pretty serious uh, S and M stuff going on there.
1: We've we've already talked about the, the hysteria that swept through the the Jewish population at this point, and how they revealed uh, their basically genocidal intent. It's it's clear. It's clear, of that. and and uh, the the, well, the sadistic
0: that... aspect of it is what's kind of shocking. It's sort of, sort of like that. That what what was that film? That World War II film uh, that uh, had all the Jews just wildly cheering these you know horrible fates being meted out to Nazis.
1: I think you know, that was Inglorious Bastards.
0: Yeah, uh, Bastards, uh, it was a
1: Tarantino yeah. film, and uh, Gilad yeah. Osman said that the the film was uh, an anti. Anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish film because it made Jews look t- worse than the Nazis. I think that I think there's something to that. I think he was right when he's talking about that film.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of subtle because the Jews who went to see that film were all like, you know, getting all excited by the horrible, gory fates meted out to the Nazis, uh, thereby demonstrating that Gilad was right, uh, just as Netanyahu's wife is demonstrating that people who don't think that Zionists are very nice people are right. Uh, and here's another nice Zionist, uh, this this lady, what's her name, Gottlieb, who says, uh, you know, is, is advocating dropping nuclear bombs on Gaza. Now, Gaza is a pretty small area. Uh, that's, uh, that's really not a very nice thing to say.
1: No, it's the hysteria that we're talking about here. And I'm saying there is a theological reason for this hysteria. And I think that Ehud Barak is the man who understands it. I think yeah, that's what's yeah. going on here.
0: Expiration date coming up. I think Gila Thatsman actually agrees with that too. Uh, and then the white phosphorus, you know, talk about not being nice people. I mean, this is totally illegal under international law, and they're just drenching civilians in white phosphorus bombs.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I mean, what can you say? Uh, and then uh, more not such nice people this landlord who stabs a six year old boy to death because he's upset uh, by all of the Zionist propaganda he's seeing on television.
1: Yeah. So the, the question is, which way is it going to go? And I think the Germans have already ex- uh, established which way it's going to go. They're going to double down. They're going to double down, and they're going to uh, extinguish the last uh, sense that anybody has any rights in Germany uh, under the rule of law. And that is going to slop over here through the European Union. Well, this was in Chicago, uh, though, not Germany. But I'm, sa- but I'm saying here that this, this is going to be the, the allow... Hate speech when it's uh, convenient mm-hmm. for the Israeli or the Jewish cause. Right. The more, the more
0: kids that get stabbed to death, the better. As and, long as, as long then, as they're Arab kids or Muslim kids, and then kids.
1: you and then use this as a way of cracking down on the very thing that you're 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 promoting.
0: Yep, that, yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah, it is. And how how long can that last is the question. Well, meanwhile, these Zionists who are again, as I repeat, uh, they don't seem like such very nice people. Uh, are wildly celebrating the genocide of Gaza uh, with a bourbon and cigar party at $385.99 to get in. The money will be donated to support the genocide of Gaza. It's all going to the IDF so they can drop white phosphorus and burn little kids to death. Uh, So there, down the lower left corner, those are those uh, nice Jewish New Yorker guys who are uh, guzzling high-end bourbon, smoking expensive cigars, And uh, and cheering for and fundraising for dropping white phosphorus on little kids and blowing up uh, people at hospitals and things like that.
1: One of the shameless things that you see on CNN and Fox, both of them, they're supposed to be opposite, is this uh, coalition of Christians and and Jews uh, collecting money for the poor Israelis, collecting money for uh, body armor for Israeli soldiers. This is a shameless. Shameless scam! Uh, I know, I know the guys who were involved. In the New York Times did an expose about these guys. Even the ADL condemns this type of uh, this type of thing. They condemned it in the past, uh, but this is the type of shameless pandering that goes on under the cover of war.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if if the uh, the Palestinian Muslim side were a little bit less honest, uh, they, I suppose, might be advised to create this type of ostensible fundraiser. For for the Israelis, and tug on some heartstrings and do the usual ridiculous Zionist propaganda. It's easy to write that stupid Zionist propaganda, and convince a bunch of rich Zionists to give you a whole pile of money, and then make sure that money goes to buy weapons for the Palestinians. That's uh that's just a thought. I'm not advocating anybody do that. I don't, do I don't that.
1: think it's going to fly. It's not going. I don't to think fly. that'll
0: fly. Okay, well. No. Uh, If anybody manages to pull that off, just let me know and we'll talk about it on the radio. So anyway, here's Janet Yellen uh, enthusiastically embracing the possibility of two American wars for these Zionists, uh, one in Israel, one in Ukraine. Hey, we can do both at once. We've got plenty of money for war for Israel. Uh, What do you think about Janet Yellen?
1: I think it's the same thing that I've been saying about the, the rest of the, uh, she's not in technically in the Biden administration, but she is de facto, you know, de facto. Uh, and it shows it, you, you can't, you can't have, Jews cannot represent the American people. I, have th- I think you have to come to this conclusion. What other conclusion can you come to after all of these years, especially with the Bi- uh, with the Biden administration, the Biden minion as the culmination is across the board. The minion, yeah, not the Mitzvah. The minion, oh, oh, across yeah. the board, wherever you look, these are people who represent representing Jewish interests and not the interest of the American people. I think they're incapable of representing the interest of the American people. I but think Mike, that's a yeah, conclusion on, a few, we have a few to more draw. shekels,
0: a few more shekels for this war, a few more shekels for that war. You'll barely even notice they're gone. Oh, boy. OK, no, so we, we
1: are we are noticing it because of the inflation. We are all paying for this war, not so much with taxes as with inflation. It's, it's eating up the, the money. There's too much money that, uh, being pumped out there, uh, first of all, for the Ukraine war. And now for another one. That is going to have a direct effect on the ability to buy things. The currency is going to be worthless if they keep going in this direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, if we keep saying those things, maybe they'll come after us because they certainly like to kill the messenger. Uh, Here's a Hispan TV story. I couldn't find this headline directly in English, so I just used the Spanish. uh, Israel assassinates 16 journalists and wounds 20 others in Gaza. Uh, And that's just so far in this war. So 16 journalists targeted and killed so far. Uh, They obviously don't want people to know what's going on there. Um, And uh, the deliberate targeting of uh, a convoy of journalists by Israel led to a Hezbollah retaliation attack just a few days ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that was the other big question, whether Hezbollah was going to get involved uh, and uh, whether they were they apparently fired uh, missiles across the border and took out a Merkaba tank that was in Israel at that point. This yeah. is the uh, this is was the other threat looming over the situation. I heard reports that the Israelis had pulled back from the border uh, under uh, because of the uh, Hezbollah artillery bar- barrage this was what was looming. And I I think that they, the Israelis have backed down. I think they backed down.
0: It, it looks that way. And I, I hope it stays that way, because again, uh, this could really spin out of control. Well, there's been uh, some pushback against this Israeli behavior. There's There have been repeated huge protests, all not just all over the Islamic world and other parts of the world as well, but even by the White House and in Congress. Uh, so uh, I think it was Last weekend, um dozens were arrested outside the White House, and uh, China and Russia are pushing back hard, as you mentioned earlier um let's say the saudi cr- Crown prince uh is humiliating blinken uh keeping him waiting on you know cooling his heels you know wait wait, a- wait.
1: wait, doesn't he know that blinken had relatives who died in the Holocaust? <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, Blinken, while he was cooling his heels in the antechamber, just waiting, waiting, waiting for the meeting with with uh, Bin Salman, he kept mumbling to himself, uh, "I remember who started in the Holocaust." Um, but yeah, that, that didn't work. So yeah, there's all kinds of pushback, and these protests have gotten bigger and bigger. And there's been a huge Jewish contingent at these protests. I actually I have Jewish friends who are part of the Jewish Voices for Peace here, and then this other stuff there. I actually have one old Jewish friend. I just learned is turns out he's now an Andrew Anglin fan. So Ah, uh, (laughs) Andrew
1: Andrew Andrew Anglin said, if I were pope, he would become a Catholic.
0: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess you're you're one too. But Mm -hmm. but anyway, we should point out that there are plenty of Jewish Americans in particular. Not so unfortunately, not very many Jewish Israelis. But that's noticeable. Number of Jewish Americans are not, they pretty much are seeing this the way that we do. And yeah, a lot of them are putting their bodies on the line, getting arrested, hundreds of people arrested in front of Congress. So there's pushback in the United States as well as all over the world, pushback from the leadership level of Russia and China, and even Saudi Arabia, which had been pretty much kissing up to the Zionists until now. Uh, so all of this, again, indicates that maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe the Zionists, uh, and specifically Netanyahu, bit off more than they could chew this time.
1: So if, it, if they do stand down, then they're back at square one with basically a civil war in Israel, yeah. and Yeah. That, that sense of looming catastrophe. And and that means uh, Netanyahu is going to go, I guess, because he needed this to stay in power. And if so, it turns out, I, he,
0: he actually did stand down the troops and he gets caught. Uh, I mean, that could be really interesting.
1: That could be. And that seems to be the, the direction it's heading. I I don't see it heading in other, any other. Well, direction I'm, right
0: I'm as, of course I'm not I'm not at all convinced that, that there was any such stand down. But you know I'm open to anything, and it, it would be really cool if that happened. If somehow Israel's 9/11 uh, actually ended up being exposed, and then you know maybe if Netanyahu's put on trial for that, who knows what happens with uh, the, the original 9/11? Right? I mean Netanyahu is is high on everybody's suspects list in that case too. Well a lot of folks think that if we're going to get tr- the truth about 9-11 and COVID and this and that and the other, you know, we need to let somebody like RFK Jr., who has openly said he doesn't believe the official story of 9-11, and he's pointed to Building 7. He, of course, has said that the CIA killed his father and uncle. Um, he hit, But he never says that it was, you know, that the Zionists were involved, which they were. And not only that, but he's really, he loves the Zionists. So, our two stories this week are one. It turns out Kennedy was right about the mercury and vaccines. Uh, and there's a uh, long story behind that. We don't have time for that. But then he, he's obviously grotesquely wrong about Israel. Um, he All he said about this Gaza genocide is that, oh, I'm just going to give Israel whatever they need to defend themselves. So he's uh, it's, it's a conundrum, isn't it, that, that RFK Jr. is so good about so many things and so bad about Israel?
1: No, it's, I don't think it's a conundrum. He's a one-trick pony, uh, and you have to have more than just uh, being right on vaccines to be to deal with the complexity of the current political situation. And he just hasn't caught up to it. Do you, you think Denis
0: Kucinich re- resigned because of this?
1: I I'm, I don't understand. What, yeah, what yeah, Denis
0: Kucinich here? was RFK Junior.'s campaign manager, and that, like the day after you know Israel started pounding Gaza. Kucinich resigned as Kennedy's campaign manager
1: yeah I think it was a parting of the ways we have to be obviously there's something wrong here and giving uh, Israel a blank check is a that's not going anywhere he's talking 67 is an interesting year you know it's the year before his father got assassinated it was the year of the uh, arab-Israeli war and I don't think Israel's Prestige was ever higher than in 1967. And he's still living in 1967. The world yeah. has changed. You know, know. <laughs> part, part of the problem maybe when when you spend 14 years of your life thinking about nothing other than where you're going to get the next fix, maybe that's a, too much of a chunk out of your life. You should have been learning about what was going on at that point. And now he's going back and trying to pretend it's 1967 all over again. That's not going to work. It's not well, going to work. You you know, someone someone is going to have to step up to the plate and say the fundamental issue is, do we support Israel or not? Or have the Jews taken over our government? Uh, this is You're going to have to address this issue. It's the fundamental political issue in our country. And no one so far has been able to address it.
0: Well, you would think a guy whose father was killed ostensibly by a uh, Palestinian patsy who, in fact, was innocent and was hypnotized. And and RFK Jr. knows that. He knows that the guys who killed his father, Robert Kennedy Sr., who would have become president had he not been shot down, he knows the people that killed his father were uh, the people who set up a Palestinian patsy to take the blame with a ludicrous cover story that the patsy was angry about RFK's support for Israel. So RFK Jr. must, you know, he, he must at some level know this. And so I've I've engaged in psychoanalytic uh, speculation about that, but I mean, how how could you miss that? Like, who would pick a, pal- a hypnotized Palestinian patsy to take the blame for a murder like that? I mean, come on, <laughs> it's not even very subtle. But anyway, so so much for RFK Jr. Me speaking of RFK Jr. and assassinations, what about the fact that the uh, apparent assassination attempt on him that was fortunately stopped, uh, but no thanks to any of the authorities, uh, has been completely left uninvestigated by mainstream media. And so here's the first in-depth story about it from John Leake. And it's pretty disturbing. It looks like somebody was sending him a message.
1: Yeah, it's clear that. Uh, and af- after that, he announced he's going to run, run as an independent candidate because it's clear that the Democratic Party is happy with the status quo. <clears throat> and the status quo is basically uh, a president who is on the verge of being totally non mentis, being controlled by Biden's minion, by 457 people who are in control of the White House, collaborating with the entire Congress, which is under the control of IPAC. That's the status quo. And he that's that's what you need to run against. And he can't do it because Mm -hmm. he can't he can't articulate the situation. Is that the situation or not? Am I making this up? I think that basically the whole reason that he can't claim the legacy of the Democratic Party is because the Democratic Party shifted over this period of time to uh, to, uh, being totally under the control of the Jews. And one of the crucial moments was uh, when Jonathan Greenblatt became head of the ADL. He joined the ADL with the Democratic Party at the hip. Now, people are saying, uh, there are Jews who say, well, the Democrats are now controlling the ADL. No, I think the ADL is controlling the Democrats. That's the that's the fundamental issue that needs to be addressed. And Bobby can't do it. So he's, he failed. He failed. The challenge is there and he failed to meet it.
0: Yeah, I don't know if a Kennedy's minion uh, at the White House would be that much better than Biden's minion. Might be pretty much the same minion. I would I would hate to think that. In any case, we've come to the uh, end of the show. So our our silly story at the end of the show is that uh, a cat has set the record for the world's loudest purr. And my cat, Muse the Cat, will attempt to break that record if you guys donate so that we can keep doing this show uh, as the instructions tell you how to do at the beginning of the show. And I guess we have one last story here, which is the secret secret squirrel facility in Texas that Google Maps uh, briefly labeled last week. Uh, so here's here's this New Braunfels, Texas uh, image from Google Maps labeling this thing full of satellite dishes as a secret squirrel facility. And if you give us money, so Muse the Cat can purr and purr and purr then we will next week, if possible, uh, inform you what the real story is about the Secret Squirrel Facility. Well, thank you, Dr. E. Michael Jones, for helping us enlighten the audience about such matters. You're welcome. All right. Keep up the great work, Mike. God bless. See you thank you. Time. Okay, bye-bye.